it is scary and hiring is always scary. And it takes, you know, a while to really build that relationship with someone that you're hired. But I also think too, that you have to look from a scalability standpoint of, do I want my business to stay currently where it's at? Or do I want to invest because I know that I'm going to grow it and that's going to come back to me, you know, tenfold by investing in this one person. In this episode, you will hear more from Whitney Eckes. Whitney is a woman of many talents, hence she has a few different businesses, and she's going to tell us how she balances it all, and she will also offer you some tips on how you can balance it all, whether you're trying to grow your current business, start another one, whatever you're doing, she's going to help you out. And she's also going to give you some pretty unique ideas on how you can invest in businesses, even if you don't have any money to invest. This was like something that was super interesting to me. So we get into that too. If you haven't already, I want you to try to contribute to be an expert in popular media outlets. Like, If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm always talking about the importance of pitching the media, earning coverage, getting that authority and credibility. So if you haven't already, please head to 16places.com because this is where I will give you 16 places for you to contribute to be a writer on 16 popular websites. And I am not just giving you the ideas of what they're looking for and some topics, but I'm also giving you the exact information of who you need to contact and the email address. So again, super easy. Just go to 16places.com to get that. I've made it like as easy as could be. Okay, last thing before we get to Whitney, make sure you tap that subscribe button. Tell your friends, tell your family members, tell your colleagues all about the podcast because that is how Apple knows, that is how I know that you are liking what you are listening to, and I would really appreciate it. I mean, come on. Whenever you hear something and you like it, you got to share it with your friends, right? So thank you so much. If you are one of those people who has left me a rating or a review recently, thank you very much. I see it. I appreciate you. Apple does not let me know. Like when you leave this stuff, I don't get a notification. I just kind of see it when I log in. And they also do not let me comment and reply. So this is my way of replying. So thank you so much for listening to Become a Media Maven. Tap subscribe and get ready for some amazingness on how to balance multiple businesses without burning out from Whitney Eckes. wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Whitney, welcome to Become a Media Maven. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you. Like me, you do a few different things. You have a few different revenue streams. You have a couple of different businesses. So I really want to talk to you about how you manage it all. People ask me and I always say it's my team and my husband, but we're going to get into like (laughs) nitty gritty with you. So for people who are not familiar with you, tell them 
all of the things that you do. And then we will break down how you make it all work without going crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I've spent the last, God, I don't know, 10 or 11 years just in the marketing space. Um, I had worked for a couple different brands in college and then moved into hospitality. And then during the pandemic in 2020, really kind of pivoted more into CBG brands. Um, so I've had my creative marketing agency for the last five years. And then more recently, um, about a year ago, I launched my first CPG brand, which is Get Super. It's a signature instant coffee and hemp infused instant coffee. Um, and that has been kind of my passion project around really just my own mental health journey and um, my struggle with anxiety and depression and my love for coffee. So that's been really fun. And then more recently, um, I've kind of expanded my, I've just kind of expanded the brands that I work with. I'm an investor. And um, more recently, I've taken on a CMO position with a really cool watermelon water company called Mella. Okay. So it's a lot of things. Let's <laughs> go from your marketing company to you got this idea through your mental health journey. When you're in marketing and you have your own agency, how do you say, okay, I kind of want to focus on this other thing. It's a passion project, but it turned into a business. Like what mm -hmm. was your mindset on doing that and doing it without being crazy when it comes to time? Yeah. Um, well, honestly, I started formulating the brand and really building it out in 2020. Um, I had lost like 75% of my marketing business because we were mainly in the hospitality space in San Diego. And during that time, everything just kind of shut down. So we were pivoting in the agency from hospitality to really understanding the direct-to-consumer and CB, excuse me, space. And during kind of all of that, I was also kind of having my own mental health crisis and coming to terms with a very new diagnose, diagnosis of being having severe anxiety and depression. Um, and I was kind of looking for something new. I was really looking to kind of turn my efforts outside of the marketing agency. It had been really heavy. It had been really hard to kind of walk through that process as well as losing so much. Um, and so I started kind of just workshopping and building on this brand. Um, and it kind of started to take off. And as we came out of 2020 and entered into 2021, the brand served as a really strong case study as to what my marketing strategy was and what my team could do and actually kind of platform the agency into going to the CPG space based off everything that we did with this new product and the launch. So that's kind of how that worked. My marketing team helped me with the design, the branding, the social strategy, the launch. Um, and so I really utilized a lot of our in-house capabilities and strategy and expertise to be able to launch Get Super. So if you were losing your business during COVID, how were you paying your marketing team to help you with this new brand that wasn't bringing in money yet? Was, was this all just like investing into your business and spending money it, that you didn't have? Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, Get Super was privately funded by myself. Um, and the marketing agency, I didn't take a paycheck all of 2020. 
Um, I had one full-time employee and then she ended up having to pivot and change her career. And then I actually ended up bringing on a couple different people part-time. Um, and so we just kind of had to slowly regrow and slowly rehire through this process. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how that worked. So you definitely took a risk. And I say that because a product-based business scares the shit out of me because like I have a PR agency Uh and I'm like, that's easy. It's just a service. But with a product, you have to put up so much money to create the product with a service. It's just your time. If you lose your time, you lose your time, Mm -hmm. but you have to spend time and money for a product. So going from marketing to a product, like how did you even know what to do? I didn't. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I had no idea. I I had experience from working with different CPG brands like in the past. And um, I had a lot of really strong mentors in the CBD space, as well as in the consumable goods space. And so there was a lot of I had, I had a lot of people that were able to kind of fill me in on what this was going to cost and how, what this was going to look like. I mean, it did not prepare me for, you know, the kind of challenges and pitfalls that come with formulation and product development and just production, especially going through production delays and, you know, crazy costs and things like that, you know, that we've seen these last couple of years. But I think, you know, when it came to get super, number one, I was already so in love with like the product itself. And I should kind of back up. I also acquired the product really, really early on from an original founder. And what I had done is I had actually taken his formulation and tweaked it and then rebranded and relaunched the product itself. So I had already had a little bit of this baseline where I had a had something already on a small foundation and I was able to take it and tweak it and kind of expand it more. Um, and I also had, again, these kind of mentors and people that were in the same network, they were in the same industry. They were able to help me out with manufacturers. They were able to help me out with, you know, the kind of frequently asked questions or cost and how to formulate everything from, you know, our production timeline to our cost of goods and then what my profit margin is actually going to look like. So I had a lot of help there. And I think anyone going to start a product-based business, it's it's so funny that you actually asked me about this because I just had a girlfriend voice note me and she's wanting to come up with a very similar product. And she's like, Hey, like I have this idea, but like, where do I start? Especially because there is so much money upfront that you have to invest in. And I think the best way to do that is to explore all these different opportunities of who's going to be your key partners, what kind of capital it's going to take, what's the sales channel, and how quickly do you think you can move the product through that sales channel, as well as, you know, what's the markability, what's the strategy, what are these different things that you're going to be able to take and actually have the product go not just from a startup, but to something that's actually successful and sustainable. Um, so that's kind of where I started. And I mean, again, like I am still learning every day. Like there's, especially with the hemp and CBD industry, it's very, very hard to market. And, um, you know, we're exploring a bunch of different, different avenues for the product, but it's been definitely a learning experience. And I don't think that you should ever go in knowing that you're going to 
know what to do 100%. But I think if you align yourself with the right partners and the right people like to just help you and walk you through it, I think that taking all their learnings and being able to really have them step in and help you is key. I have one more question about this before we go on to how you do all of these other things. You said that get super just started taking off. What made it take off? Like what was it that you or your team did that had the biggest impact in its growth after launching? Um, I think with get super, there were a couple things. Number one, I think that the branding itself, the red and yellow and the very lifestyle kind of nostalgic look to it really catches people's eyes. It's a great shelf product. It does really great in retail because it pulls in, it pulls you in immediately. And it's such a stark, bright, loud contrast. Um, And that got us a lot of attention. We actually were able to do our first ever retail inclusion with Pop-Up Grocer. And it was simply because they found us on social media. And so having that as our platform was really exciting because we were now aligned with all of these incredible and sexy and cool and new CPG and grocery products. And we got the opportunity to retail immediately. Um, And then from there, just social, you know, we really try to capitalize on the funness and lightness of the brand and, you know, to f- that feeling of feeling super and feeling good throughout your day, especially when you struggle with anxiety or you feel like, you know, caffeine affects you. And so you can't drink your normal cup of coffee or you can't drink coffee, period. So there was a lot to that founder story and me kind of sharing behind the spotlight of what I'm doing. And this is my product. And this is how it aligns my day, like in my day to day that I think also really resonated with people. Um, and you know, they kind of started to just start moving at a really nice basis. And I think the launch too, again, we have been, it was just a testament to my own marketing strategy and what I truly love to do for brands and how to make a product really be able to communicate everything that it needs to in the digital space. In a typical week, break down where you spend your time between Get Super, your marketing agency, and then you said you also act as a CMO for another company, right? Yes, for Mella. So, yeah. So with those three things you have going on, break down where your time is spent and how you you spend your time. Like if it's day blocking, hour blocking, mm-hmm. like how do you do it? Um, my calendar is my key. <laughs> it's like my Bible. If it does not make the calendar, it does not happen. Same. Um, yeah, it's like the only way that I'm able to function. So the nice thing about the flexibility and what we do in the marketing agency is that both brands are treated as if they are a client. Um, and that is, Primarily, the only way I'd be able to manage everything is through the ability to utilize my team and then utilize our in-house systems to allow us to kind of section off that time as we were to section off our own client time, right? I'm just also a version of the client as well. So there's kind of that standpoint. But in terms of Get Super, I... You know, as we're continuing to grow, I am feeling kind of the stretch of wanting more help and more support from a team. But Get Super has also been something where I do have to section off days and it usually looks like my weekend to be able to do things like production, you know, to do things like sales, to be able to really look at the business and the guts and the future of it. Um, And then in terms of Mela, 
that is also treated as if it's a client. So a lot of my calendar is kind of sectioned off into hourly basis of being able to dedicate certain certain hours to it. I mean, I do have my significant, I mean, I do have like my agency time, which is usually our Mondays and our Thursdays and we have our team meetings. And then Tuesdays usually look a lot like Mela because that's when we have a lot of our calls with them and working with different people, you know, all the different um, team members and agencies that are a part of Mela. So that's kind of how I base it. But again, I, I feel like you know, I utilize this off my team and be able, being able to delegate and being able to have them step in and support where I need it. That way I'm also able to continue to do the things that I need to do. How do you notice when you're close to burnout and what do you do when you notice that you're close to burnout? Oh, I avoid, I'm a big avoidance. I'm a big like freeze, you know, and what do they call it? It's like, it's like freeze, run, or um, fight, flight, or freeze. There you go, fight, fight, or freeze. Freeze. I'm a freezer. So I start to notice when I'm burnt out that I start avoiding, and I start feeling like every task is a project and very heavy. And what I attempt to do in that is I usually start to look at my hours during my day and what's really what's really consuming my bandwidth. And usually what happens is I start realizing, okay, I'm taking on like too many calls that I don't need to be on, or I'm taking on X amount of responsibility that really should be delegated to someone else because they could probably do it better. Um, I start kind of like looking at the things that I'm doing and start looking at the time expense. And at least for me, that's when I really notice that burnout is that grind and it's that day to day and it's that exhaustion where it's like, I'm not showing up well enough for myself and I'm not filling up my own cup or I'm not able to take care of myself. And I'm kind of letting down all these boundaries and letting people kind of expense my own energy when I really shouldn't be in that place. And I could really have the support that I need and I'm just taking it on to take it on for for my own sanity. And I think sometimes when we get in that burnout mindset, we start thinking like, oh my God, I have so much to do or, oh, I should be doing so much more that we start lessening and letting go of those boundaries for ourselves and start just kind of panic and reacting, like just kind of taking things on or again, avoiding things until it's almost to the point of procrastination and it's too late and you're doing something really quick and you're not thinking the same way as you would be thinking if you were really kind of setting your timeline up and yourself up for success. So yeah. So what do you suggest for people who maybe they're trying to start a second business or maybe they're just trying to grow their own business or they're trying to grow their side hustle to quit their full-time job and they're feeling burnt out? What do you suggest for them to do? That one's kind of tricky. I mean, I think it's number one, I think it depends on the side hustle, but number two, I also think that it depends on what you are going to need to make that jump. I think that when you have a side hustle or when you want to go and start a business, you have to think very clearly about what are the things that you're going to need in order for you to make that jump. And do you have those things now or are those things that are only going to come later on and you have to decide whether or not you're going to risk it and dive in early and kind of wait for those things to come or if you feel comfortable enough to move right now, right? So when I say like those things, I'm talking, you know, financially, where are you at? You know, what is the comfortability of your job? 
what are you willing to take on, you know, in terms of the grit and the bandwidth that it's going to take to start this business? You know, is it more of a service-based? Are you already freelancing? You know, can you say, I'm going to do this for three months and really make sure that I'm scaling and growing my service platform? Or, you know, is it more of this product base where it's like, hey, I have to have X amount of capital to not only go through production and create this product, but I also have to pay myself and make sure that I'm able to get by, you know, do I need an investor? Am I able to personally finance that? So I think that when we're looking at our side hustles, it's also outlining what ourselves need. And then are we going to make that jump and then committing to that jump, right? And committing to kind of going all in. I remember for me, the scariest part when I was growing my business was hiring people Mm -hmm. and delegating stuff to them for two reasons. One, I had to pay them. So Mm -hmm. I was like giving my money to somebody else. And that made me so scared. And two, I was trusting somebody else with my brand. And that's scary. Now I want to delegate it all. Like fast forward (laughs) five years, like I want to delegate everything, but starting out, it was the scariest thing. And I waited for years to invest any money. So what do you say to people who are afraid? And I feel like it's, it's almost really like the chicken and the egg thing, because it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't grow until, until you build your team and you may be telling yourself, well, I can't build my team because I can't afford to pay them. So it's like, Mm -hmm. You need to move. You need to do something. So what do you say to people who are afraid of taking that next step because it does mean an investment of money? Yeah. Um, You know, I faced this in the agency. I was having a really, really hard time hiring. I was having a really, really hard time asking for support. And it resulted in me staying within like the same revenue for like two to three years. And the moment I decided to start hiring and to start also like really, really investing in experts and really, really investing in like talented team members, the more that my business grew, because now my clients weren't just solely looking to work with Whitney. They were actually looking to work with these account coordinators. They actually wanted this person on their team. And so yeah, that initial investment is hard, right? Because it's also that scary mindset thing of like, well, what if I don't get the client? Or what if no one comes? Or what if I have to pay this person and I'm getting nervous about my budgets and things like that? But the nice thing about your current business is that when you go to hire someone, your current business should actually expand more because they're actually doing their job and they're relieving you of that so that you can do what's best for you, which is mainly going out and getting the clients or going out and networking or going out and making, you know, taking care of your brand and looking from that high level view. So it is scary and hiring is always scary. And it takes, you know, a while to really build that relationship with someone that you're hired. But I also think too, that you have to look from a scalability standpoint of, do I want my business to stay currently where it's at? Or do I want to invest because I know that I'm going to grow it and that's going to come back to me, you know, tenfold by investing in this one person. A hundred percent. Like it's a scary thing, but it is what it is. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it's going back to like the college thing. Like, look at how much money you invest in college, not knowing what the hell is going to happen afterwards. And so many people you, they pay their college loans until they retire. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I tell people like, at least with this way, when you're investing in your own business, like you're in charge of it all. Like you call the shots. It's not somebody else deciding to hire you, deciding how much to pay you all of the things. Mm -hmm. So are there any other tips that you could give people if they're have, if they have this serial entrepreneur mindset where they just have all of these ideas, they want to execute on all of these ideas. What other tips could you give listeners on how to be an owner in multiple businesses at once? Reduce your workload. So I think one of the best things that I learned when not only creating, not only creating Get Super, but also looking at other brands that I really, really wanted to be a part of, you have so much value to offer, but you don't need to take on the whole cake itself. And I think that when we look at serial entrepreneurship, it's being able to time manage effectively, but also know what your strengths are and being able to kind of diversify your strengths out in a limited capacity and in a capacity in which you're not going to burn out, you're not taking too much on, and you're still able to be a part of the brand and you're still able to kind of really essentially invest in it and recoup those benefits of it, whether it's the return, whether it's the sell, anything like that. So I kind of started taking that up as I was investing in these different brands. Right. And I started kind of realizing too, like, there's a lot of things that I can offer without having to be the owner in a full, full process. Right. So for example, like one of the things I started doing, especially, and I started picking this up with Mela kind of before the CMO position was, Hey, I'm going to marketing consult for you for, you know, X amount of return. And I really enjoyed that. And we basically kind of expanded our relationship, but even other brands, you know, I'll kind of say, okay, look, like, you know, I'd love to be a part of this. I really, really want to invest in you guys, you know, but I also want to do something in a larger capacity. Let's, you know, do a once a month marketing call for X amount, you know? And so I think there's different ways where you can actually leverage what you're capable of and your value and be able to still call yourself this serial entrepreneur and still invest in different things and still be able to have that ownership without, again, you overextending yourself and being a part of 27 different businesses that you own and never being able to give your full attention or time to them. Okay. So just so I am clear and I'm understanding this correctly, when you say you invest in certain brands, Do you mean Mm -hmm. that you are investing your time and your service and then in response, they pay you like some of their profit every month? Is that what you're doing? I mean, that's definitely a structure. Um, There's certain brands where I've taken on equity and there's certain brands where I've had payouts. So it could be a profit, a rev share, anything like that. Very interesting. And then do you approach the brands with this? I've been approached before with this and they Mm -hmm. say, oh, we're just starting out. We don't have any money. So Mm -hmm. you work for us and we'll give you equity, whatever. And I'm like, but you're just starting out and you don't have any money. How do I know you're going to make money? So I've never actually done it. So how does it work? Do you approach the brands with this idea? Do they approach you? Because this is an interesting model and you are an investor. You are, I mean, I guess like you would fill out paperwork and you would be almost like a part owner and, you know, you give them this and in return, they give you this. And so how does that work? Like who approaches who and, and you just lay out the terms like that? I mean, it depends. So both of, I mean, the things that I've invested in where it's come to services 
it has been more or less of, I want you to come on board. I want you to do X, Y, and Z from a search, like strategical approach. And then it's been more of me laying out the terms of what I'm able to do and what I want in return. So I think I definitely set those kind of tones. Now there are other brands where I've just invested capital in and I have no work whatsoever or don't consult for them. And it merely was just more of like kind of, kind of an investment on its own. So I think that there's different ways. And I think also too, if you are interested in a brand, I don't think there's anything wrong with approaching them, but you are correct in terms of like revenue share. I think that, or profit share. I think that in before you step into anything and say, I want to do this for you. And I want to do this for you, you know, and essentially for free until the company starts making money. Number one, you need to set a timeline. Like that's one of the things too, with my services is that I always make sure that whether it's for equity or it's for revenue share or profit share, there's a timeline. I'm going to do this for six months. I'm going to do this for 10 months. And then this is going to equate to the cost of my hours or what I think that it's my return should be. Um, and then second from that, I think that again, like you also need to look at where this company is going. You need to be able to measure and kind of outline your own risk if this company you truly feel like is going to be making money, best way to do that is look at their sales channel. Are they running ads? Are they, you know, retail? Are they direct to consumer and have, you know, built up an crazy, crazy, crazy consumer database? Are they on Amazon? What's the sell-through channel and what are they currently doing? What do you think they, they're going to be doing in like six months? And then also too, you know, how are you going to help to grow that? Because again, if you're, let's just say you're taking this on from like a sales approach, like maybe you want to go out and go knocking on, every door to get this product, you know, in all these different locations, are you taking a percentage of the sale? Are you taking a percentage of the overall profit? And then also too, how are you going to scale that and make that for your own amount of money? Right. So I think there's a bunch of different ways to structure it. But again, I think ultimately you kind of have to outline your own boundaries, making sure like, you're like, Hey, I'm going to do this for a certain amount of time. And this is what this is going to look like. And then outlining too where you want those earnings to come from and also if those earnings are actually possible in the in the startup phase. And sometimes they're not. So I think that's also too, we hear about a lot of people doing sweat equity and sweat equity can get really dangerous. Um, there was actually a brand that I started with way, 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 way back in the day. And I did sweat equity for about two years. Wow. And yeah, I did it for a really, really long time. This was as I was kind of growing my agency about five years ago, like way yeah. back when. I mean, at that time you really do, like when you're starting a business and you're growing it, you really do have to just do like a lot for nothing. And it sucks, but I feel like that's just the nature of building a business. Yeah. Well, and that, and they, you know, I had really kind of been sold on this channel. I'd really kind of been sold on what they were doing. And, you know, the two years came and there was no salary. There was no position for me. There was no, there was no advancement. And so when that kind of happened, that's when I was like, now I know my own boundaries when it comes to sweat equity. I don't ever want to do this again without knowing that there's not something like a return that's immediate. And I'm not, not telling like, not talking like, oh, well, this company is going to sell in three to five years and you'll make your money back then. Like, I think again, if you're kind of doing this, you need to out, like you need to weigh out what you want. And so for me, when that whole process kind of happened, I was like, okay, I, number one, I don't want to do this again. And number two, I really want to make sure I'm outlining my own terms so that I'm kind of in control of what my return is going to be. If I am going to be 
investing my time into you without immediately getting paid for it or having that kind of benefit. I love that. And you said something earlier, like two things that you have to be in control of. One is your boundaries and Mm -hmm. two is the amount of revenue that you bring in. And I think that, I mean, just focusing on those two things, like that is how you can balance multiple businesses without burning out, like focus on your boundaries and be very clear on them. And keep in mind that revenue that you have to make. And I think it's just really a matter. I mean, I know for me, it's like, I want to do all of the things all of the time. And my list of things to do Mm -hmm. is like always so long with all of the ideas, but I know if I try to execute all of those right now, I'm going to be miserable. So I need to check my boundaries and I need to just like, okay, am I making the revenue I need now? Yes. Okay. Then chill because you Mm -hmm. will burn out. Do you have those moments too? Absolutely. I, I like sat down with my director of operations like the other day and she's like, she's like, so we like hit our goal and I'm like, great. And she's like, like, so like, what are, like, what are, what are the plans? I'm like, well, like to scale more. And she's like, hold on. She's like, why? Like, we just hit this goal. Like, can we have like a moment of just like being in this goal for like two seconds? I love her. I know. And I was like, yeah, actually like, and I think that next it's always how much bigger can I push this or how much further can I go? Or, you know, what's the next thing that I can start. And, um, I think also too, we kind of forget to maybe sit in those moments and be like, Oh wait, maybe this is nice. And I need like, you know, a month of just enjoying this. Yeah. A hundred percent. Love that. Awesome. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can follow my personal journey just at Whitney Yekis. You can listen to the podcast under the influence podcast, which basically talks all about the power of influence and really listening from experts, whether it's creators, um, brands, founders, anyone that has established and built a, a foundation of influence on our podcast. And then you can follow all the brands at Ekis Marketing, at Get Super and at Mella. Perfect. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will have a lot more for you here on Become a Media Maven. Next week, hit me up with any show ideas, any topic ideas. I have a long list of things to get to, so lots of amazingness is coming up. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you again here soon. Have a great day.